This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian, and as you all probably know, I'm owned by a very cool cat named Scamper. Today I have with me a special guest, Dr. Mary Gardner. Now, Dr. Gardner is a veterinarian, and she's really fun to talk to, which is why I invited her. But she also has some interesting things that you might want to know about. She is the co-founder of Lap of Love, which is a service, a hospice service, for end of life for pets. She is a international speaker and also the co-author of a textbook about geriatric pet care. So I'm going to take a quick break and be right back with Dr. Mary Gardner. We'll be right back. You know what I love? I love my cat. My cat Scamper. He'll hardly even walk for himself. He stands up on his hind feet for us to pick him up. But you know what I don't love? Cleaning Scamper's litter box. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust free. Free from heavy perfumes. And it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I'm here with Dr. Mary Gardner. Hey, Dr. Gardner. Hi, thanks for having me, Dr. Cat. So I usually call you Mary. So. Uh, yes, <laughs> I know. I'm very casual. So if I slip up, I may may have to just go with Dr. (laughs) Mary, but there are some things that I wanted to talk with you today and to educate my listeners about regarding hospice care and end of life, but more importantly, geriatric care, because Mm. I don't see aging as a disease process. So I want you to kind of educate us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's my favorite topic, actually. So I'm so so thrilled that you want to focus on that. And, you know, as an end-of-life care vet that, that exclusively goes to homes and, and helps families say goodbye to their, to their dogs and cats, people think I must be insane or depressed or, you know, crazy. And, and because dealing with death every day can, you know, have its emotional tolls. But helping a pet and, you know, end their suffering and helping a family through that journey is actually not the sad part of veterinary medicine, or at least in my, in my niche. But what does make me sad is when I go to a home and that kitty or that dog has not been to their veterinarian in years. And now we're, now we're at a point where it's too late and euthanasia is the best decision. So that's the part that actually makes me sad is that we could do something for this kitty. We could have helped in some way. And I'm not talking about massive amounts of medicine and diagnostic tools, but just even environmental management, helping the owner cope with managing a pet that's got, you know, an aging, you know, a lot of aging issues and, or a terminal illness because caregiver burden becomes an issue as well. And so if we could help the, the, the cat and the pet, then we may actually be able to increase their quality of life. Maybe not always the quantity, 
However, it is known in human medicine that if we can get a patient into hospice care sooner, they will actually live longer and better. And so that's my goal. And that's, that's what makes me sad is that these kitties are not getting seen. Well, so as a practicing veterinarian, I only see the ones I see. So it makes me really sad that there are some out there that I'm not seeing. So maybe maybe we can reach some of those people and help them understand. You don't have to be afraid of what the vet's going to say, right? Right. That's, I mean, so many people say like sort of easier to sometimes not look at the issue face on and then they they could be scared that my vet is going to tell me something, you know, really, really tragic or, or scary, but it could be something as simple as, you know, mild arthritis and let's improve their quality of life with some medication or some alterations to their lifestyle. That could be a huge, huge help. And, you know, I actually did a study where we looked at just over 1500 clinics around the country so 1,500 vet hospitals, and we looked at 1.5 million pets euthanized in a year. And unfortunately, of the kitty cats that were euthanized, 42% were not seen three years before that appointment. And 48% were not seen 18 months, so a year and a half before. Half of these guys are not even being seen. And that is the probably the most delicate time, you know, when our kitties are most fragile is that last 10% of their lifespan when we could do so much. So I don't want families to be scared because we know some stuff, right? Like we know some good stuff as veterinarians that could help and make the cat feel better. And that's what, you know, when we, when we take, I love how you said you're, what are you, you're owned by a kitty or you're ruled by a kitty. (laughs) You know, I am also ruled by a few myself. And, you know, when I take on that responsibility is to do the best I can do, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to do everything that I may not be able to, but, you know, it's something that that we make a promise to them, you know, that, hey, you're going to be sitting on my lap purring and I'm going to make sure that, you know, you're kept as comfortable as possible. And there's so many minor things that we can do and help them with. But there are a lot of, a lot of times, you know, cats don't express discomfort as well as dogs do. I don't know about, well, but they just, you know, they're, they're different animals, right? And so sometimes kitty cats don't actually alert owners to some problems that they're experiencing as, you know, as, as dogs do. So there's a lot of things I'd love for, for pet owners to just kind of keep an eye out for. I agree completely. It is so important to be tuned in to your cat because they communicate like cats communicate and not like dogs and not like people. They're cats. They're cats. <laughs> they're cats. And they're you know, even when uh, when I'll, I'll euthanize a pet from in a home, you know, I'll leave behind some information on, on feline grief. And families will say like, oh, don't worry, the cat doesn't care about the dog, right? And so I'm like, well, you know, cats don't like change. And so when there's a big change in a home, I mean, nobody likes change, right? Who moved my cheese, that book? Like none of us do. Cats also. And so they just don't, you know, show the same, you know, the same outwardly emotions, let's say, as, as as humans, as dogs, as birds. And so I think cat owners are so in tune with their own cat. We, you know, every cat has their own personality, right? It's just like us. And, and you know your personality, your cat, and you can pick up on clues of, of when things have changed. Now, with that being said, I'm a different animal than I was when I was 20, right? Nearing 50, I am, I am not climbing trees and, and doing cartwheels down the street like I used to. So there's a normal, you know, changes in our body, but there's some definite key indicators of, of things that we could maybe help them with. Okay, so I can totally imagine you climbing trees and doing <laughs> cartwheels down the street. <laughs> I, I had I to stop for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm big. You can't tell on the podcast, but I'm six <laughs> one. So this massive girl like doing cartwheels down the street is kind of scary. But <laughs> <laughs> well, so we talked a little bit about how cats are cats, and I think that a hurdle for cats, at least the ones that I treat, mm. are that clients don't want to give medications to cats, and so mm. I. That there are definitely ways that people haven't thought of. Veterinarians are pretty creative sorts. There are definitely yep. ways that we can get medications and supplements and things done to cats without the cats being any wiser. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with Dr. Gardner. She's going to give us some tips and tricks and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com dogs now. That's my alpha cbd.com forward slash dogs because your furry friends are family let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio pet life radio dot com welcome back to nine lives with dr cat on pet life radio And of course, I'm here talking with Dr. Mary Gardner about geriatric kitties and end of life and getting kitties to take medications voluntarily and do the things that we want them to do, even though they're kitties. So Dr. Gardner, pick up where we left off there. Yeah, for sure. I know giving medications to to any animal can be difficult. Kitty cats are probably a little bit more challenging than a dog, right? I mean, a dog will eat cat poop half the time. So um, it's a lot easier to get meds down their throat. But a cat, and I've had both ends of the spectrum, or I've had a cat that is will take anything from me and another one that would, that would avoid me. And, and that is very important is that we don't want the kitty to ever start having um, owner avoidance, right? So I don't want your cat to ever be scared of you as they, you know, hear the refrigerator open or, or something like that. So how can we make it a little bit better? Because there are some times where we do have to give medications. Sometimes that comes in the form of, of an insulin injection. And I've had many kitties of my own that, have, that were diabetic. Sometimes it's fluids in their nape of their neck, but a lot of times it is oral medications. And luckily, there's so many great options now um, with compounding pharmacies. So we could make a lot of the medications into a liquid that may taste like tuna or chicken or or some flavor that your cat may like. So being able to to talk to your veterinarian to see if that's an option, because sometimes then they just don't even realize it. You you know, you put it on top of some of their regular food and they they don't even notice. Um, Another cool trend is, is that there are some medications that are effective transdermally. So meaning that it's kind of put into an ointment that can be rubbed on the inside of the cat's ear and it's just slowly absorbed. And so not all medications can be put in transdermal or even compounded, but, you know, talk to your vet because that, that is something that, that, may be, that may be an option. And if a cat does have to have a, a pill, that, you know, sometimes people get really good at pilling their own cats. 
And I'm actually not the best at it. But what I like to suggest then is after you get the pill inside the kitty cat, it's very important that they swallow the pill all the way down, meaning cats are so prone to getting esophageal strictures. So basically, if you've ever taken vitamins and you've got the one stuck in your esophagus and you feel it there for the rest of the day, that's kind of like what, what happens in kitties. And they're so prone to that. And then a little, little stricture could form. So just, uh, you know, a little narrowing of the esophagus or, you know, just some, some problems can arise. So a trick is after these, the kitty has swallowed the pill, put a little butter or Nutri-Cow, which is something you can get from your, from your veterinarian. It's like a little paste or syrup, syrupy paste that you just put a little dap on their nose. And, and if, they, if they lick their nose, actually the transit time, the transient time of that pill going down goes down to, you know, to like under a minute. If you don't do that, that it's minutes that sometimes it takes that pill to go all the way down their, their esophagus. So just put a little dab of butter on their nose could actually not only get them to look forward to their pill, but it does help them medically also. So I hope that was helpful. That is a good tip. You know, my cat, Scamper, is kind of like that. There are things that he would prefer not to do. And one of those things is his flea and tick product that I apply. <laughs> and so I, I found myself dreading that, you know, once a yeah. month. He would like yeah. read my body language and, and I don't know why he doesn't like it. He just, it's just not his idea. So I had to kind of stop being mom and try to be the vet. You know, what would I do if this was one of my patients? So we actually found a product that only has to be applied once every several months. So I don't have to do it as no. often. And I talked with Dr. Elise Christensen. She's a veterinary behaviorist. You probably know her. And yeah. she, uh, yeah. she, I love her. She suggested training him to a mat so that he comes to the mat and good things happen. But every now and then that happens. Right. And so right. that every has been, yeah, only every now and then. So you can certainly teach an old cat new tricks. And we have all kinds <laughs> of tricks that we can teach you. And we have cats, so we know. <laughs> totally. That's such a great old cat can learn. I mean, cats can learn tricks, right? So, you know, we're, we always think of dogs learning tricks, but they are also you know, they know us well, right? But actually, we're trained by the cat, right? So my, you know, Mingo, my cat, as soon as I wake up, she's around my feet and I'm trained. But, <laughs> but we can train them and, and positive reinforcement is so key to that. And yeah, every now and then something else happens. But you're right, Dr. I mean, the applications that we put on their back for the flea medicine is just like nothing, right? It's like a little, but boy, do they know it. And oh, yeah. And it's like the rest of the day is like, you know, oh, what did mom do to me? Kind of looking I, at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me a side eye, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I really hate it when, when we get that owner avoidance, or at least we feel like that. And, you know, that, that then attributes to the caregiver burden. And next to quality of life for the pet, caregiver burden is the, is the next number one reason why, I guess it's number two reason, why pet owner will euthanize their pet is because there's so much burden placed upon caring for a geriatric pet. And so it can be a challenge. And if we could help reduce even a little bit, like making, giving medications easier then, then maybe we can help with that as well and, and, and reduce the caregiver burden. That is excellent. So there was something I really wanted to, to pick your brain about. Do you think okay. that there is almost like a toolkit or a do-it-yourself pet care kit that helps manage a geriatric pet? I mean, not specific to any specific disease, but what are some things that might happen to an aging cat that people could head yeah. off or think about? 
Yeah. So uh, great question. There, I was just thinking I should have mentioned when, when you are peeling your kitty cat, take a whiff because when their mouth is open, bad breath is a sign of some problems. Could just be, you know, plaque and dental disease, but cats get a lot of oral ulcers or, you know, so if they have kidney failures, it may lead to oral ulcers, which could be painful so that we might pick up on that or oral tumors. So just making sure a quick sniff of the breath, you know, that's something I always want owners to check for. Another big problem cat has, but owners don't always recognize it, is mobility issues. So arthritis. And, you know, there's been studies done, I forget what journal it was in, but it was, it was like a feline journal. And they found that when they asked cat owners, what were the things that they felt their cat enjoyed, like that brought good quality of life to their cat, 60% of those things were non-active items, meaning my cat likes to lay in the sunbeam. That means he's having a good time, right? So non-moving activities is what cat owners kind of consider good quality of life versus a dog where it's like going for a walk, jumping over something that those, you know, we could always imagine a dog going for a walk, but we don't usually walk our cats. So we have to be mindful though, that they could be having some arthritis, even though they don't show it. So of course the obvious things are, you know, do they jump on the windowsill? Do they come up on bed? And if they don't, you know, maybe we, you know, assist them of putting, you know, big steps or just, you know, a box underneath the window so that they can jump up on it. So those are some obvious things that we can notice. However, even things like not using their litter box properly could be a sign, of course, of, of some you know, kidney disease or some organ failure or some, you know, some other problems. But it could be that they just have arthritis where either getting into their litter box is too difficult or once they're in, two things. One, walking around the sand can be hard, right? So if you walk on a sidewalk versus a beach, it's way harder to walk on the beach. You, you know, you stress your muscles more. And so it can be difficult for a kitty to walk in their sandbox or their, their litter box. The other thing is if they're not covering their, their bathroom activities. So if you see that your cat is not covering, let's say their, their poop, if you will, maybe that's a sign of, of something more than them just being old, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, he's just old and he doesn't care anymore. Trust me, cats, cats care. Cats keep clean, right? Like they groom themselves and they want to keep their litter box you know, cover. They don't want to, you know, I mean, I have had one cat that just never did it, but for the most part, they want to cover it. So I don't know if you know this, but some of your listeners may not know this, but cats are predominantly left or right-handed. And so boy cats are usually left-handed, usually, and girl cats are usually right-handed. And so, so a boy cat will cover, you know, use the fan, you know, push the sand with his left paw. And if he, if he's got arthritis in it, Maybe he just can't actually cover his, you know, his poop and he's not ambidextric. So it's not easy for them to actually use their right paw. So they just leave their litter box. So even looking for that subtle sign of them not covering their, um, their bathroom activities could be something. And then last is their fur. Like I mentioned earlier, cats groom, right? They, I don't even know. You probably know what percentage of time they spend grooming and, We'll see, and I'm sure you see it too, in these old kitty cats, they'll have from like, you know, rib cage down, just dry and flaky, or, or maybe to the other extreme, greasy, because they can't actually bend back there and groom themselves like they used to. And, and so, you know, I love, I have a younger cat and her legs just like up in the air and she's grooming around her thigh and it's amazing. But as they get older, they may not be able to. And even, you know, they self-pedicure. So they'll, you know, pull on their flaky nails and, and kind of do their own little pedicure. So if you see, you know, really thick nails in their back 
or their hind quarters, they're not, they're not grooming themselves. That could be signs of, of a few things, but one is also mobility issues. And I just, you know, I, there's so many things we could talk about that have, as we age, but not everybody realizes how many kitties have arthritis because we don't consider them very active species, you know? And so that's something I, I mostly worry about our kitties. Yeah, I think I've read some kind of study. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like an astounding percent of kitties over the age of eight. I was like, wow. I mean, even as a veterinarian, I didn't realize it was quite that much. I would say almost like 100%. I was thinking in the high 90s, but... (laughs) Yeah, it was so close to 100 that I'm like basically all cats. And it was a study that they were looking for something else. And just on the side, they're like, wow, this cat has arthritis. Wow, this cat has arthritis. And so they kept noticing that all these cats had it. And so we just don't... We just don't realize it. And so, you know, if they're a little bit more sassy as you're, you know, if you're petting them and they, they don't want you to touch the base of their tail or their back end a little bit, maybe, maybe it's something more that we should look for. And, and bringing them to the veterinarian, I know is scary to some people, is scary to the kitty cat, but the benefits are, are massive because we could help them with so many things. And, and, you know, even just being aware of the issue. So even if we don't have to give any medication, just being aware of the issue to say, okay, well now I'm going to, you know, change my litter box to a, I had one owner that had a, you know, the under your bed, like sweater box, not boxes, but they're like rubber made bins that you could put under your bed for wrapping paper or sweaters or something like that. And they usually come on wheels. You could pop the wheels off, but that was her litter box for her cat. So it was very low. You walk in and it was so much easier for her cat to manage, you know, going to the bathroom. So even if we're aware of the issues and how can we help in the home then? Right. Well, that's, yeah, that would be a really roomy. I hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. I know. <laughs> it's big, right? And, and easy to clean kind of, out. Yeah. And super easy to clean out. I mean, too bad we can't, well, no, I wouldn't want to keep it under my bed. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. But, you know, uh, there's, and then the, the other thing that I had a cat, Bodie, old man, I actually adopted him when he was older. I went to the pet store to get dog food and there was a, a cat in need group. So there was like a, a rescue, cat rescue group there. And they had this old tiger cat. And I'm a sucker for an old cat. I love kittens, but I want an old cat. And so I was like, oh, look at this old tiger cat. And he had, um, he was getting fluids every other day. And so I knew what that meant, right? I was like, oh boy, this cat's got kidney failure or something. And who's going to adopt this old cat that's already got disease and needs care? So of course I left with this cat and Bodie. So Bodie, he lived like three years longer. I thought I was only going to have him for like a year. He, he lived a very long time with kidney disease, but he started howling at night, right? And so this is that sound. I'm going to make the sound, so I'm going to apologize in advance, but I think your listeners, some of them will they'll recognize the sound, but it's a <laughs> I recognize it. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And you will get in a fight with your spouse because the cat won't stop at night. And so that a lot of times, oftentimes is cognitive dysfunction. So similar to, let's say, Alzheimer's in humans, cats and dogs get cognitive dysfunction. And so that howling could be a sign of cognitive dysfunction. And something I always tell owners that is that we want to check a few things. One is blood pressure, because they could also do that with high blood pressure, which could be indications of, you know, hyperthyroid and some other problems, but also urinary tract infections, the UTIs, because humans, dogs, and cats, if they have a UTI, their cognitive dysfunction symptoms, like howling and being a little agitated, will increase. 
So I want to check that. And maybe if we could just cure their UTI, maybe their howling will get better. So don't just shrug it off as, you know, Bodhi's getting old, you know, he's just an old man howling. Like there's something wrong going on. And is there something that we can help to make the cat feel better? And also, you know, the human animal bond, stay, stay tight for as long as they live. Well, that's great. And I think that's my favorite thing about the service that you provide is that it preserves that bond so that your last yeah. memories and the golden years for your pet are really golden and they're the best they can yeah. be. I love so, I love the end years. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and I think that I say it a lot on my show. I, maybe I'm a broken record. I don't know. But the relationship <laughs> with your veterinarian is so important because your veterinarian is your pet's physician. Only it's yep. like it's like a special needs child that can't communicate verbally. So it's got to be an even tighter bond than yours with your yeah. physician, kind of. So yeah, that's a good analogy because it is a, a difficult thing to kind of understand what's going on. And so that's why I also suggest before an owner takes their pet to the or the cat to their to the veterinarian, if there's something going on, take videos. So that way you can show them because you know your cat's not going to act the same in the clinic as they do at home. So listen, take a picture of the cat litter with the poop not covered. Take a video of the howling or, or how they're not jumping around or something like that because that could be so helpful. And yeah, your veterinarian is your best friend in this, in this process. And, you know, we, we do know a lot and we care a lot. So definitely, definitely I want to encourage, especially in these golden years, there's so many things that we can do. And I want to see that percentage go down. I don't want to euthanize cats that have not been to their doctor. Like I want cats that have been managed as best as we can as a team. And then it's time to say goodbye. Right. I agree. I was astounded by uh, nearly half of uh, 1.5 million did not see yep. their veterinarian in three years. And the way pets yep. age, that's a long time. That'd be like I've, I'd seen my doctor once in my life or something. Right, right. It's, I yeah. mean, if you think about it, it's probably like a quarter. Let's say Kitty lives 15 years, three years. What is that? A fifth? So I don't know. I'm trying to do math real fast, which is probably not good. But <laughs> great. Basically, you know what? Once I turn 60, eh. I'm not going to go to the doctor anymore. <laughs> and that's when you need them the most, right? Yeah. So yep. it, it was astonishing. I got help with the, a company called Vet Success. And we looked at this and my jaw just dropped when I saw that number. And so my goal is just to help pet owners recognize the, the you know, ailments that they're having. And you made a good point in the beginning, you know, age, age isn't a disease, but it, it can bring dis-ease, right? And so I want to make sure that we can recognize those signs and get them help in advance so that way they can live better longer. Absolutely. Well, so I'm so glad that you came because I learned some stuff and I think my listeners learned <laughs> some stuff. So certainly come back and talk to us some more. I would love to. I, I so appreciate you giving me this time. And, and I love I love cat loving people because I am one of them. <laughs> me too. So that works out great. <laughs> I also yes. want to thank my amazing listeners and my terrific producer, Mark Winter, for all the hard work that he does on Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So I want you guys to all go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.